I'm Abby Mickey, and you're listening to Wheel Talk. Welcome to episode four of Wheel Talk. I want to start out by saying thank you so much to everybody who has listened to the podcast. I promise I'm eventually going to stop saying that in every single intro, but at the moment I'm still a little overwhelmed with how many people are actually listening, so thank you so much. Um, Definitely tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes. It really means a lot. Um, So... For episode four of Wheel Talk, I chatted with Allie Stalker, now Allie Murphy, who, when she was racing, raced for teams like, well, mostly just one team that you everyone will know, which is HTC High Road. Um, she also raced for Specialized Lululemon and was on the California Webcore team when she started out. Um, Allie was known for being able to absolutely turn herself inside out for her teammates and was an incredible domestique. And we talk a little bit about that in the podcast, as well as her new uh, adventure, which is Liam, her son. And you'll get to meet Liam a little bit in the show. He makes an appearance. Also, I just want to apologize for the sound quality. Um, I have a new app to do the recordings when I do them via Skype. So hopefully this is the last time that the sound quality is so bad. Um, but I really apologize for that. So just bear with me, um, and enjoy the show. Thank you. Allie. Okay, Abby. <laughs> How's it going? Good, how are you? Really good. Um, so I guess the best place to start is in the beginning. So I was wondering if you could just give me a rundown of how you started cycling. Oh, man. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm super stoked about it. Uh, how I started cycling actually takes me back to, like, my Uncle Rico days in high school. And um, Uncle Rico is, like, for those who don't know, Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, and I, in my high school, you have to do a senior project. And so you pick something that you're going to focus on for a year and you're going to learn that trade. And so I chose, uh, endurance sports with an emphasis on cycling. So I bought this, um, old road bike with shifters on the top tubes. And it was this steel frame bike, 1970s, just super cool. Right? Like, I mean, it would be a great townie bike. So I bought this bike for $200. And um, I got into riding. I watched the Tour de France that summer uh, on TV, not in real life. And I, I just started riding and started learning and absorbing as much as I could about cycling. And at the same time, I was actually wrestling in high school and I was getting ready to head to college for wrestling as well. And so cycling was great cross training for me. Um, as you hear my dog come in, come on, Bam. Um, <laughs> Bam is a baby. Yeah. And, um, and so did my senior project on, on, on cycling, endurance sports emphasis on cycling, and learned as much as I could about it, rode this old school road bike, jumped into a couple of random races, and then I actually 
hung up cycling when I went to college at Lassen College because I went there to wrestle. And so hung up the cycling, got into wrestling, and then I rekindled my passion and love for riding after I was uh, I broke my elbow in a wrestling match. Um, I did a double leg slam on a girl, and I posted out two videos, and I, <laughs> I broke my elbow. I know. I mean, it's like, just funny to think about because you're like, you're not you're not a very big girl. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I'm a pretty relentless fighter. Yeah, I I don't doubt that for a second. <laughs> fight to the death. Yeah. So yeah, so I broke my elbow, and then I didn't want to miss out on training and use that as my excuse why I couldn't stay strong and part of racing. I mean, part of uh, wrestling, and so I had a trainer. And I set my bike up on a trainer at the time. And when they would do their takedown practices, I rode the trainer because I had a cast up to my, just above my elbow, but you could still ride your bike that way. So I rode the trainer while they did wrestling practices. And then I ended up randomly jumping into a couple of races later that spring because I thought it was really fun. And they were cat four races. And, um, and to sign up for a race, you have to have a USA cycling license because they were USA cycling races. And so I bought a USA Cycling license, and I got a letter from a couple months later. I got a letter from Lee's McCray College saying that they were trying to grow their program and that they were interested in picking up riders. And so I called the coach and was like, hey, I really love riding my bike. Can I really come to your school for a cycling scholarship? They were like, well, you know, you're cat four on the road. You're a beginner mountain biker. You've not, you know, you've never raced cyclocross or track. We really can't give you much, but, you know, come and check it out and see and see how you do. And so I, I went to Lee's McRae, and I, I checked it out, and I started at kind of the low man on the totem pole and worked my way up to being on the A team. And I raced all in college. And then in 2008, um, I really did my first real road season. And so in 2008, I went and did um, Cascade Classic in Mount Hood and – that was the year that, and also Nature Valley, and that was the year that uh, Kristen Armstrong was prepping for the Olympics, and she did those races. And so in those races, I had found myself in the brick, but, like, you know, it's it's different, too, when you're a rider at that level. Like, you're, I wasn't having to work, and I was just trying to survive and just stay towards the front. That was my goal was, okay, stay towards the front, stay towards the front. That's what everyone's telling me to do, stay towards the front. And so um, I ended up just fighting to stay towards the front and then in these races I always found myself at the front of the race and always finishing up near the top 10 and so in 2009 I got picked up by the U.S. national team 2010 I signed my first pro contract with Webcore and then in 2011 I signed with HTC High Road and so it was a pretty um pretty cool way to climb through the sport and and learn really have to accelerate my learning through the sport of of how tactics work, how races work, how to study the courses, how to study the wind, how to study how finishes happen, or if it's, if it's a breakaway, like always know who your opponents were. And so because of this, like, okay, cool, I'm going to do my first full season of racing in 2008 to 2009 national team, which I went and did the tour of Flanders in that block. Yeah. But the best part was, was I had no clue what I was doing. And I thought the Tour of Flanders was a stage race. I was like, cool, this race. Yeah. And they were like, what do you mean, how many days? I'm like, well, it's a tour. So so it's obviously a multi-day race, right? And they're like, no, no, it's just one. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I did the Tour of Flanders, and it was, it was crazy. And honestly, my first trip with the national team was was 
Honestly, I'm surprised I actually made it continuing racing because my first race was some some crazy race in Italy. I don't. I did Binda. I did Flanders. I did Torrenta. I did all these crazy races that I have no clue what I was doing. I was like, la la la, like race our bikes. That probably made you better because you were like, I'm. I don't know. You had no idea what you were getting yourself into, so you weren't scared. Yeah, I actually had no idea what a world championship kit looked like. I was like, yeah, I was riding with this chick and, like, that white kit and all the colors on it. What team is she on? And they're like, that's the world champion, Nicole Cook. <laughs> but that's really sad that I know nothing about the sport. Um, but now I know a lot about the sport, so, you know, do your homework. So, yeah, my, my, um, my progress through the sport wasn't because my parents had found the sport for me and put me into it. It was honestly because I thought – that endurance sports with an emphasis on cycling was super cool. And I, I really took it and ran with it. And I just, more than anything, my bike, when I had picked it up was my avenue for adventure. So I would take my bike and if anyone from, you know, where I'm from Northern California listens to where, to where I'm going, but I'd pack up a pack and I would head over to the salmon river and I would go and I would ride my bike over there and I would camp and I would just go on all these adventures. And so really my bike was, was my method and tool to get to, to head out on adventures. Cause I always wanted to ride my bike to go rock climbing or ride my bike to go camping or ride my bike to go to a swimming hole. It was my freedom, you know, like the way the wind felt in my face and on my body and through my helmet, like it was, it was a freedom experience for me. And it, it wasn't honestly, it, it wasn't this, this like path. I'm going to be a professional. It was like, Oh cool. I'm like, up in the front with this girl in a yellow jersey like hey can I help you somehow and she's like what are you you know <laughs> that's it's, awesome it's I just got goosebumps listening to that, that yeah it was like honestly it was spiel. my adventure it was my it was my gateway to 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 greater things and it just kind of got I just got really lucky with my 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 steps through the sport yeah and and despite not knowing too much you ended up on like the best the best team in the world so what was that like being on HTC High Road? Uh, HTC High Road was awesome. It was a huge, um, and honestly, it kind of skewed my uh, perception of cycling and women's sports because it was, I got really lucky, you know, I went from the national team to uh, WebCore, which was another professional team, and they were pretty well taken care of, and then I went to HTC High Road. So my, my time in the sport was really good, and I was always really well taken care of and we always had great places to stay. We always had massage. Our travel was always taken care of. You know, I had a really, really great time in the sport of like, of being really well taken care of. And I'll never bite the hand that had fed me and be like, Oh, we need more money. We need more prize money. We need more this, you know, women's sport is it's suffering because honestly I was, I had a really great time at it. And HTC high road, it was, it was really cool. Like going to camp, honestly, so I remember a couple of things that happened at camp. One, um, it was, I remember sitting down and we're at the specialized headquarters and Bernard Eisel, Bernie Eisel, who had won Get Webigam that year and who was this really successful male racer. He's sitting down next to me and he's like, can I get you a coffee? And I was like, oh, sure. He's like, how do you like your bike? The bike's <laughs> awesome. So he's like, he's had, like, we're having this conversation. I'm like, so what's, what do you do, man? Are you a mechanic? Are you a swanee? Like, what's your deal? And he was like, what? I'm like, yeah, like, what's your, what's your role here? And he was like, oh, I'm Bernard Eisel and I won Gantt Webb again. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed right now. Like, I have no idea who you are. 
Like That's I awesome. should probably do my homework on men's racing too. And so, um, so, and then I met, you know, we, the women on the team really bonded and meshed really well, but I really think too, and kind of this goes to where my business is now, but there were really defined roles for who did what. So, you know, when you have Ina Toitenberg as your sprinter, there's no other question who your sprinter is, you know, and you've got Judith Arndt and as you're one of your GC riders, Judith Arndt is, you know, a world previous world champion. Like there's no question of who, who's working for who, and she's going to win the time trial in any time trial and out climb anyone, you know? And so I think why camp was so positive was the ego for everyone to be, to prove themselves as the sprinter in the GC role wasn't there because it was already defined. Like they brought me on to learn and to work. And they're like, you're going to work and you're going to ride the front a lot. And you're going to chase a lot of attacks and we're going to send you in a break and we're going to run you into the ground, but this is your job and you're going to do it really well. I'm like, okay, that's super cool. And so I was a part of that program for four years and it was really cool to have everyone's defined roles. And that's why people kept their jobs. You know, when you're on the best team in the world, it's, you have to have complete cohesiveness and everybody knows what their job description is. So in and out of the meetings, there's no question of who does what. So yeah, going from the stair step to HTC hybrid was super cool. And also I always played sports growing up. Sorry, I have to go off on a tangent and (laughs) I always played team sports and I found that I was a part of a lot of really successful like basketball teams or volleyball teams and softball teams because, and even wrestling too, like, our team was so close and that everybody knew their role and it was a really positive situation. And so that's what I really liked about cycling was I came from team sports into cycling. So I understood the concept of team and that like, you know, in basketball, you've got your point man, you got your wingman and you got your guard, right. And you got your center. Well, it's the same way with cycling, right? You've got your guy that's going to work early in the races. You've got your guy you're going to send in a break. You've got your guy that's going to work at the end of the race. And if it's a sprint, then you've got your lead out team and then you have your sprinter. You know, and then then behind your sprinters, sometimes you add a suite to keep people off the wheel. And it it made so much sense to me to have a, a complete team cohesiveness and not chase your teammates down and to go in the right moves and know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Right. You know, you got to you got to know when to chase the breakdown or, hey, guess what? We're not in the yellow. We're actually sitting in second. And that person's a contender on GC. I'm going to let them dangle out there and I'm going to make the yellow team ride like I'm going to do it, you know, and so it's. I really enjoyed the the teamwork aspect of it and also enjoying to force other teams to work because they missed the move, you know? Do you think that because do you think that um even though you were pretty new to the sport, all of these tactics and stuff and like knowing what to do in the race came early or came easy for you? Or um, I wish I could say yes. Uh I think my first year on the team, I I've not even I think my first year on the team, I was so excited about being on the team and that I had this wonderful opportunity and that I also was young and still developing my strength and still developing as a rider that I was always so on the rivet and that I always was having to work so much and work so hard that I had to learn a lot from my mistakes. And I had a really great team and some great mentors that let me know when I was making mistakes, but honestly, I like it. I love constructive criticism. I love being told, Hey, that wasn't a good move. You should have let that, you should have brought that break back that, or you should have gone in that move, or we should have brought that back earlier. We should let it hang, you know? And so honestly, the team aspect of it made a lot of sense to me, but 
it took it took a good year of racing with High Road to understand the team asked the the tactics of it and and why we're doing what and so I had a lot of guidance with it but then once it clicked it was like oh okay cool I get this like let's this is this is super cool you know like let's let's do it so I I wish I could say yeah I totally here <laughs> but I didn't like I made a lot of mistakes and I and I learned from it and I got a lot of constructive criticism sometimes when you get Sometimes the constructive criticism wasn't super nice, but you know what? It's not all fucking daisies and sunflowers. Yeah. I mean, with No, that's fine. With the kind of, <laughs> with the kind of pressure like that you have from being on the best team in the world, like the yeah, the con- constructive criticism isn't going to be isn't going to be very pleasant sometimes. No, it's But that gets the point across, like It does get the point across and honestly, I think we're all pretty freaking soft. And sometimes I don't want to be like, oh, you know, I just I hate to give this feedback to you. And I think you could have done better if you've done this. No, no. Just be like, hey, you messed up today. This is a problem. This is where you've made a mistake. Let's learn from it and move on, you know? Oh, I wish that there was like somebody. Yeah, I wish there was someone behind me doing that to me all the time. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of nice to have, honestly. Like with the business, we've got people that we work with that it's I'd rather take punches than have things blown with like fairy dust yeah (laughs) well maybe like the wrestler background has something to do with that and also you you're you were saying that you like fight to the death (laughs) you ended up in your career you ended up being like probably the best domestique that there has ever been so that totally makes sense like yeah I've seen you ride your bike so hard (laughs) Oh my gosh, Abby, I just started blushing. I really appreciate that. I I was, (laughs) one year, I remember when I was on the Collegiate All-Stars, we were racing the Nature Valley, and it was when you were on Specialized Lululemon, and I watched you, like, go back for bottles. Meanwhile, I'm, like, dying, like, barely hanging on, and I watched you go back for bottles and then come back to the Peloton with, like, no joke, 20 bottles in your jersey, and then there was a girl who just attacked and you just like went straight through the Peloton and brought her back and then handed out all the bottles. And oh I was, God, that's so awesome. And I was like, I, that was incredible. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that like you and you gave like two bottles to every one of your teammates. And then I think you handed me a bottle cause I didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. You say that. I remember, um, that, uh, in the Giro one year, they were like, you were the water bottle beating world champion. <laughs> Yeah, not surprising. You are the water bottle getting world champion. Yeah. Like, carry a bottle for every rider, two bottles for every rider, and still work. And I'm like, oh my god, I know. But the thing is, if you're eating and drinking enough in a race, then you're going to recover and do better the next day. The second you get thirsty is, like, game over. And so I knew that if I was – I knew where I was at, and, I like, it was kind of a – I was trying to take care of myself and my riders to have the best possible race. And that meant like making sure nutrition was good. Hydration was good. And you know what? It's good to go back to the car and hear feedback from the director. Cause we don't have radios of like, Hey, that's the situation on the road. This is what we're doing. What do you think? You know? So mm-hmm. it wasn't, I was just going back for bottles, but I was always, I was also getting information to report to the riders as well. Yeah. When you um, when you were racing and you were a domestique, did you ever did you ever kind of wish that you could win or like had the opportunity or did you ever get get opportunities to go for it? 
Yeah, actually I did. Um, and I, and there were times that it was like, it was super cool. Nature Valley, they, um, I went into a break, which that was probably one of my more, I've got a couple of epic races, but in Nature Valley, um, I went into a break like eight miles into the race and it was the mother stage. So it was the 84 mile stage, 150 K. So I went into the break about 12, 12 K in and I was the only survivor out of the break. The break kept like circulating through and then we would lose a couple of girls and then we'd gain a couple of girls because people would bridge and people would drop and I remember being in this break all day long and having my biggest kilojoule day I'd ever had and I and and that was a really great opportunity I don't obviously I didn't I didn't win it but I had this amazing ride with the freedom to ride the break and that was so cool and Amber, my teammate Amber Neben had bridged across and she had moved herself into the yellow after that day. And so, um, so that was a really wonderful opportunity. Um, I lost tour of bat and kill, which used to be a really big race in a sprint. And so I got second there. So I, I have had opportunity, but some it's, it's hard to get opportunity at like, you know, Philly or the Giro or Flanders, you know, you go into those races, like those are super prepared and planned and thought out and they build a team and a winner for that, you know, the year before and, or at team camp. And so, so the opportunity I was given it, I was given at some of the smaller races. So like sea otter, bat and kill. Um, I was given the, I've been getting the opportunity at Stillwater uh, a couple of times and I always end up on the podium. That's an awesome race. I love that one. I, I really love that race. And sometimes I'm a super eager beaver and I go too soon because I want to force it. And so, um, the last year I did Stillwater, I went, I went a couple of laps too soon. I went with like seven laps to go and, and ended up being in a small move. And I think I got third or fourth on Stillwater. And so kind of, again, too, I go, I went a little early and I was one of the, the, um, only survival survivors of the early move. And so like, so yeah. And then cross was super cool. Cause then that was times I got to put my hands in the air. And then I raced mountain bikes last year. And that was also super cool because I finally got to work for myself and put my hands in the air. So, so I, I have got an opportunity. It's just hard to get it on the really big races when you have someone that can win it. Yeah. But you were, you were totally amped to, to work for such amazing girls. Yeah. I loved it. I fucking loved my team and my riders and my people. And, and there was, it was just such a cohesive group of riders that I really, really loved that part of racing. Like it was it was so cool to have this family that we just suffered for each other. Mm-hmm. So what was the decision to, to go from road to cross? Cause that was um, maybe 2015 that you decided to switch. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's a funny one. Um, <laughs> so uh, I ended up signing a road contract for 2015 with another team. I jumped ship because I was, given the opportunity to be more of a team leader and a GC writer instead of always a worker. Cause that's, that's what was going to have to happen. Like if I were to stay with what turned into Velocio Shram and now Canyon Canyon Tram or Canyon. Mm-hmm. That's right. In uh, um, to stay with that team, I was always going to be this great domestique, you know, I've, I've defined my role there and that was how I was going to be. So I went to a different team and, um, and, for certain reasons, it didn't work out to race on the road with them. And so I ended up being like, okay, cool. You know, I'm always adapting and, 
and making sure that I'm quick on my feet and making the right choices. And so, so a situation had occurred and my, my solution to that problem was, okay, cool. I'm going to just race mountain bikes. I had opportunity to race for a couple of other teams and, but they wanted me to ride for free. But when you're in a situation where you're all of a sudden out of a team at the end of January, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to find a team that, um, that's going to pay you. And so, so I couldn't ride for free. I can't live in Europe and ride for free. I don't come from a financial background and I've always had to survive with, with what I've made for cycling. And so I've always either early on in my career, always had to suffer at the races to get enough prize money to, to pay for the next race or to get to the next race. And it's kind of the same way with, um, with even now, or like when I was at 2015 was like, okay, I, I can't race for free. I have to figure something out. So I pulled together my own sponsors and raced mountain bikes. And then that turned into an opportunity to race cyclocross for stands, no tubes, which was super awesome. And then I was planning on re-riding with them and really building off my first real full season of cross and having a bigger, like doing better the next season. Like I had some great results. I had some okay results and then I got my butt kicked and I loved all of it. <laughs> no, seriously, because you've got to have, you have to fail to succeed. And so Yeah, for I sure. There's I no other way to learn. Yeah. Totally. And so, um, and then, and then I ended up actually getting pregnant. And so now we have this wonderful baby boy and, um, that he is just awesome. Yeah. Well, life takes you in directions and, and sometimes it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. Having Liam has just been such a crazy trip. Yeah. So when you, when you found out you were pregnant, that was like, you were like, okay, well, next, it's time for the next adventure. Yeah, totally. Um, and with that too, with finding out that I was pregnant, uh, it's, it's such a hard thing for, I feel cyclist, female cyclists to, um, give up their time. Right. Like I'll admit it. Like I'm a, I'm in a way, I'm a pretty selfish person. Like I really like my sleep. I really like training. I like my space. I like, um, I really like everything that I can do to, to better myself and that it's really hard to give up the ability to just pick up and go somewhere. Right. And, mm-hmm. so, and I, that's what I was really worried about, but honestly, it's not, it is kind of like that, but you just have to be a little bit more planned and, um, and, uh, and so it, it was really, yeah, it was just hold on, sorry, I have to word this right. So having a baby, you're, you totally are giving up a lot of things, but you're also gaining things that are even better. And, and when you want to just pick up and go, you kind of have to plan a little more. If he's sleeping, you don't wake a sleeping baby, you let him finish sleeping and you get ready to leave after he's fed and changed and you're going. And so it's, it's a really hard thing to give up the lifestyle of a bike racer because it's such an addicting lifestyle, right? I love training. I love traveling. I love racing. I love my teammates. I loved, you know, that taste of like success as well. Like Mm -hmm. you're always hunting for that result. And so giving that up is, is, was the thought of it was giving, was hard, but now I have this amazing little boy that is like way better than any and all of those feelings. Yeah. Can you compare motherhood to like racing the Giro or something? Um, I think motherhood's harder than the Giro. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I believe that because it's more full-time and it never ends. He's here. I'm going to feed him while we're doing this podcast. (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> see, this is when I wish that I could record videos. That, well, no, wait, just just no, him no. though. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not scared of uh, public breastfeeding. Like, <laughs> it's not really. Oh uh, yeah, Bagu. Honestly, once you give birth and everything is all out there, you start losing all of that. This is gonna be the the favorite of all of my podcasts when this interview is done. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we breastfeed in public, no problem. I'm not scared. <laughs> so apart from Liam, the other thing you're you're doing is Ali's bars. Yeah, it's awesome. So when did you start start making Ali's bars? Um, we started making bars. We launched this bar in October of 2014 and we launched one flavor and then we launched two more flavors last May. So May of 2016. Yeah, it took, by the way, launching new flavors takes over a year because you have to go through so much R&D and so much approvals and processing and designing and tasting. It's crazy. So, um, but our business is growing. Uh, John is definitely my stands right next to me as an equal owner and um and my partner with this and it's it is so cool to have a growing baby and a growing business like we are making some really exciting growths Mm -hmm. and um and we're we're super pumped about it like we're in Ingalls we're in Harris Cedar we're in Earth Fair which if you're not on the east coast those are some big east coast grocers and we're also in in bike shops around the country which is that's kind of our honestly. I love my bike shops because we're in a, we're in a lot of bike shops and cyclists love us. They love our bar. It's Lone Lake Glycemic Index, no peaks and valleys. You're feeling yourself with real food, sweet potato, all sorts of good stuff. And so it's 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 fun learning how to build a business and and honestly managing people too. You know, like you've got to be an effective leader and, and get the most out of your people and motivate them to do great things. Mm-hmm. Why Why did you pick sweet potato as the base of a bar? Um, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, so growing up, my gra- we always went to my grandparents' house every weekend until we were in middle school. And my grandpa, if we had leftover mashed potatoes, he would put potatoes in our pancakes. And so we would have, um, we would have these uh, mashed potato pancakes. And then so that idea kind of came from it. And then I always, um, when we were with, when I was with uh, the team, High Road, and then turned to Specialized Lululemon, Beth, our Swanee, was giving us sweet potatoes uh, before the races and even after the races because they were the best food that you could eat. Yeah, Liam, super good food. (laughs) The best food you could eat for fueling yourself. And so, um, so, hi, Liam. Oh, you're such a little monster. Um... And so, so we were eating sweet potatoes before and after the races. And then going on to this, I was always making food in the kitchen and making food from scratch. And I was making bars because I wanted a better bar. And, um, and so because of that, oh my gosh. <laughs> this is how so, busy you are all the time. This never ends. So I wanted a better bar. And so we started adding sweet potatoes to our bars because I thought it would be a great binder. Yeah. That's awesome. And you were testing out the bars on your teammates before you, uh, before you launched the business, right? Yes, I was. Um, my German teammates were the best ones to give me feedback because they were super honest and they did not hold back with feedback, but, but their feedback was really good. They were like, Oh, it's not too sweet. I always feel really good. And all the bars I took to our team camp 
before team camp. Um, they they eat them all before I before I launched them. All the bars were eaten in the next couple of days. Yeah, I remember at UHC team camp, like when you when we it was beginning of uh, like December twenty fourteen. So they hadn't you hadn't launched the company for very long, and we had bars at team camp. And after like three days, I think that we were like almost out of our entire allotment of bars through like Tour California. That's awesome. And this, like, we were, like, hoarding bars, and the Swannies were like, okay, it's, like, two bars per person. That's all you're allowed. <laughs> you're not allowed to eat. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. everyone was just, like, hoarding the bars, and, yeah, it was hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> but I do remember you, I have this hilarious memory of you, like, that day that we first met when we rode together, and then you were like, you should come over for lunch, and you made me this salad that was, like, in like a sal- we got like a salad bowl each of kale salad with like sweet potatoes and beets and I can't remember what else you put in it and then it was like soy sauce and peanut sauce for the dressing and I remember you like handing me this bowl and me being like oh this is for both of us and then you being like no that's for you and this one's for me and <laughs> yeah that was that was a good memory I love aggressive salads I still do that like I, I always whenever we have people over for dinner I just put all the condiments or all the all the goodness on on like a cutting board and I'm like build your own salad because your like small handful is not what I want to eat I want all the veggies which is <laughs> my love for vegetables Liam eats beets oh that's cute <laughs> you do eat beets <laughs> sorry everyone that has to hear a baby make noise one of those beautiful things of having a child is you're just they're just part of the process. <laughs> That's awesome. Right, I like oh, it. Oh, I'm excited to meet him at some point. Oh my gosh, he is so cute with the hats on that your mom made. They're just the most adorable thing. She was, she was super excited about it, the making the hats. She got oh, really she into it. Me. And I like the headband she made me too, so that's super cool. <laughs> she has a lot of spare time. That's awesome. <laughs> um... So I guess uh, I have a couple other questions that I've written down. Uh, Out of all the places that you lived while you were racing and traveling, what was your favorite? Oh, man. I think the current place I live right now. Nashville? Yeah. Well, we live outside of Asheville. We live out in the country. And and I I really loved Girona. I really – I loved Ghent. Ghent was probably – I mean, Girona is cool, but I I liked Ghent a lot more. I love the weather in Belgium. I love that it was kind of harsh. Oh, I that I could just ride my bike to Kermesses and learn how to ride in a European peloton. It's hilarious you say that. Sorry. Side note: I was on a ride today with like a couple pros, like uh, Cassie Cassie Neodoma was there and Hannah Barnes, and we were talking about Belgium and. And I think Cassia said, like, nobody likes Belgium weather. There's not a single person. She was like, name one person who likes Belgium weather. So You can text her and be like, Ali Stalker, well now Murphy, loved Belgium. Like, <laughs> I was there, one spring I was there, it was the rainiest spring that they'd had on record. And I, like, I loved it. But honestly, if you mentally prepare yourself going into something, and you're like, cool, I'm going to be here and it's going to rain every single day. And then it does rain every day. It's not a shocker, right? Like, if you're going to sit there and be miserable and be like, it's raining now. I'm going to ride my trainer again. Well, <laughs> that just sucks, you know? Like, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome. It made me tough, you know? And it and you learn to ride in the rain. And you learn to ride on wet roads and how to push the tires. So, like, 
I don't know. Like, yeah, I loved Ghent. Ghent was really, really, really awesome to live there. I really loved it there. And, um, but I love it here because I, I love all the adventure that I can do out my door. So I would, I could ride my mountain bike from my door and go on some really awesome mountain bike trails. Yeah. Asheville's awesome. I really like it there. I like the chocolate shop. Oh, of course. Everybody likes the chocolate shop. (laughs) And the beer. The beer is really good. Yes. (laughs) Alcohol is fun. (laughs) Well, on that note, um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Liam, say hi. We loved it. (laughs) He's looking at the phone. He's like, hey, mom, what up? Thank you so much for listening to Wheel Talk, the podcast. If you liked it, please leave a review on iTunes. If you didn't like it, please reach out to me and let me know how I can improve. You can find me on Twitter at the WT underscore podcast or on my own personal Twitter at Abby Mickey. I'm also on Facebook, Wheel Talk, the podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure recording these podcasts for you. And I'll play you out with Blue Sky by the Allman Brothers.